there's going to be times on the field where it's critical. It's going to be two minutes right before the half or two minutes at the end of the game where you need to make a big play or you need to stop a big play from happening. And you are absolutely exhausted. Your legs are tired. Your back is tight. Your knee hurts. But what type of person are you when those tough moments come up? Welcome to Access Points, the podcast where we discuss the tools, habits, and ideas that can help you achieve and maintain the leadership mindset so you can reach peak performance. Are you ready for your all-access pass to some of the top minds on the topic of leadership? Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us at Access Points Podcast. Uh, I have a special guest today. We've had a series of guests that we've brought on to Access Points over the last couple of months. And they're all people that uh, I think a lot of think highly of and uh, have some great stories. You've heard Michael and Nate and Stephen. At Access Points, we've had some great guests on. And so we have another great one on today. Good friend of mine, great guy, professional athlete, investor, philanthropist, and uh, even a decent driver of high performance cars. I'm going to use the word decent with a, a lowercase d. Though. I'll take it. But, uh, but on with me today is uh, Byron Jones. Byron, glad to have you, man. I've been trying to get you on for a while and glad you're on the podcast with us today. Yeah, happy to be here. A little salty I wasn't asked first to be on, but I'll take fourth. I'll take <laughs> okay, fourth. Well, it is what it is. Well, you, you, you've been a little busy, yeah. so yeah, we'll, I'll, I'll go with that. Right. I would go with that. So I, I was able to spend some uh, fun time with uh, Byron on the golf course. Oh, man. I guess it was l- last week. Yeah, right? let's not talk about that, though. I'm not getting into the details. I'm just going to say that we both played with two other guys who were, would it be a reasonable thing to say they were on a different level than we were? I would agree with that statement. Yes, sir. But we showed toughness, grit, and determination to finish out the rounds, you know? We did. We, did. <laughs> we, we, should, we showed grit, determination Amen. in finishing the round. Amen. And, uh, <laughs> and we, we walked away and didn't lose every ball we had in the back. No, so I did, but I stole yours. So appreciate well, you. No, I'm here for you, man. <laughs> so as everyone has listened to the Access Point podcast, you know that what we like to talk about are, are trying to do a lot of lessons learned, try to learn from people that are here at Access or guests that we have on so that maybe you can not make some of the same mistakes that we've made or vice versa. Maybe there's some things that we've learned that we can share with you guys that maybe you don't have to go through some of the things we had to go through in order to figure these things out. So Today is a little bit different in that Byron's never really started a business. Mm-mm. He's a fairly young guy. I, I, I've got a feeling that uh, one day we'll have him back on the podcast and he will be entrepreneur Jones and not professional athlete. Yeah, give me a couple of years. At least three or four, maybe, <laughs> ho- hopefully five or six, right? Yeah. So, Byron, why don't you talk a little bit about your background, a little bit about uh, you got an interesting background of, of where you grew up and how you grew up and your folks and, yeah. and your brothers. And you don't have to give too many details, but just kind of give us, give us some background on your upbringing and how you grew up. Yeah. Um, so I was born and raised in New Britain, Connecticut, hard hit New Britain. And I stayed there for 23 years of my life. I mean, I went to your average middle school, elementary school, decided to go to a private Catholic school for high school. And that kind of put me on a trajectory to go to college. And at that point, I, you know, when you're young, you're not thinking about college or anything like that. But I think being around good people and being around people who want to excel academically really helped me out at that time in my life. I always played football. I'm the youngest of four boys, so uh, all three of my brothers, they all played football. And, you know, I just followed whatever they did, I was going to do. If they were going to be ballerinas, I would have been a ballerina myself. So uh, (laughs) anything that those guys did, I did. And I've been playing since I was seven. I was actually a quarterback. I was actually slinging the ball. uh, I did not know that. From uh, Pop Warner football all the way up until my junior year in high school. 
Oh, wow. uh, so the, the change to receiver and d- defensive back started uh, my junior year in high school, and I kind of stayed that uh, trajectory. Thank God, because I wasn't going anywhere as a quarterback. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I had a great upbringing. I had two parents. My mom was a secretary. She worked her, she worked her ass off. My dad was a state cop. Uh, just retired a couple of years ago, living a good life right now, riding his motorcycles. So, no, I was blessed. I was blessed with a really good foundation. I grew up in a small state where uh, there wasn't much going on. There wasn't much to, to get in trouble with. Uh, There's a couple of yeah. knuckleheads in New Britain, Connecticut at the time. But yeah. uh, other than that, it was very simple upbringing. Uh, it's a very strict uh, household, but uh, all of my brothers are successful and, and I made, made life easy for me because at that point I had no other excuse but to be successful like my brothers. Yeah. I've never met your parents, but they've evidently did some things right. Cause I know your brothers have been very successful in life. And, and, you know, we talk about on the podcast, how do you measure success? Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can measure in a lot of different ways, but I know that you speak highly of your brothers, you and your brothers get together quite a bit and they're doing the things that they love and they're exactly. being successful doing those things. And that's what we call success. And I know your parents are super proud oh, yeah. of them as they are you too. But, um, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of work went into that many boys, especially your mother. There's a lot, <laughs> a lot of work, a lot of patience went into that. And man, that's important because, you know, as a kid, you see that growing up and, you know, we, we so model what we see. And I know for you to be able to see your parents and, and the things that, that they did and the way that, that uh, they work with you guys growing up made you a lot of who the man that you are today. So that's really cool. So talk about, you went from high school and you went to UConn, right? Yep. Okay. So why did you choose UConn and why did you choose that sport? Is that because that was what you'd always played? Yeah. So, okay. So I, I, I didn't really, this was never a dream of mine. Being in a national football league, playing in college football was never a dream of mine. I was just kind of your average kid, just living life, floating along academically. But I was always, I was always gifted. You know, I was blessed with long legs, strong legs. I was always faster and stronger there can jump higher than most kids. So I've always had that going for me. It was about my, I say my sophomore year in high school or no, my junior year in high school where I was sitting in chemistry class and you know, all my friends were talking about the college campuses they visited and all the applications they filled out. And I'm thinking to myself, I didn't do any of this. And <laughs> I knew for a fact their grades were a lot better than mine. So their chances of getting to college off academics were a lot higher than mine. So I remember deciding like, okay, if I'm going to do this college thing, the only way I'm going to get there is, uh, one, getting my grades up, and two, being the best athlete I can be. And at the time, I was a, I was a really good football player. I knew I wasn't going anywhere for basketball, um, so I didn't, wasn't even thinking about basketball. So football was a gateway. And at the time, uh, in my school, there was a senior who had a scholarship to the University of Connecticut. So uh, I knew it was attainable. I knew it was possible. So uh, you know, that summer, I had went to uh, two football camps. I went to Boston College football camp and, and UConn football camp. And I remember seeing the Boston College football players and and seeing what they looked like. Like they were shaped like me. They were doing drills that I knew I could do. It, it, it really took for me to see someone that, that looked like me in the flesh, in person, to be like, you know, I can do that. Like, I can yeah. be that college athlete. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I joined the track team to get faster with football. You know, I tried to get my grades up. I was kind of in a pretty deep hole at that point. Not that I was a bad student. I just didn't apply myself the same way I did in college. You're, you're not alone, my friend. Yeah, I actually got my transcripts uh, a couple of days ago to see how bad it was, and it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just decided my junior year, I said, okay, if you're going to go to college, you have to get an athletic scholarship. And um, yeah. you know, my summer going into my senior year, I went to the UConn camp again. Uh, obviously, I showed great progress and good athleticism, and they gave me an offer that same day. And the reason why I chose the UConn was because that was my only offer. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing else in the works, so uh, I think it worked out. 
Yeah, you know, things happen for a reason. So t- let's let's talk quickly about you know your your college career, not necessarily just athletics, but just college in general. Talk about some of the things that you learned, some of the high points and low points of your four years at, at UConn? I think it was my freshman year. You know, I registered my first year. Um, and then my, I guess my second semester of my freshman year, I was sitting in campus, like watching people walk around. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm stronger than these kids. I can run faster because I can jump higher than these kids. But then I thought to myself, I'm like, employers are not going to care about that. You know, these kids were, were smarter than me. That kid's in engineering class. That kid's in business school. He's in finance. And and I'm over here floating around, you know, sitting in the back of the class, not really paying attention the same way I was kind of operating in high school. And, you know, I was excelling af- athletically. And I thought to myself, man, you know, I'm going to college for free. I'm going to play football. But one thing I can guarantee is this. I know I can get a really good degree if I really put my mind to it from a top tier in a public institution and, and you know, set myself up for a lifestyle that I want. At the time, again, I wasn't thinking about the NFL. It was too far off. I didn't really think like I didn't have long goals like that. Um, so I made a decision that that day, and I said, "Listen, I'm not going to be average in the classroom any longer." So I sat in the front um, and I took good notes. You know, I was engaged in class. I stayed awake, even though we had these early morning workers that would kill us. Yeah. You know, I did everything to put myself in a position to excel a- academically, uh, so that if football doesn't work out, I have something to fall back on. Not even fall back, right. just to pivot off of. Um, I don't like using that term, but it, it took the it took that conscious effort to say, Byron, you're showing up to class. I, I probably can count on two hands the number of classes I missed in five years in college. Really? Uh, any chance any chance or any class I had, I was there early. I was emailing back and forth with professors. So I, I took it to heart. I took it to heart where I was like, okay, I'm not gonna be average anymore in the classroom. That's stupid. I have a chance to really be special. So you literally from that day, by that day you made a decision, a conscious decision. I've got to change. I've got to, I've got to be something different. Absolutely. Academically. I said, absolutely. There's no reason for me to excel, you know, be on level 10 athletically, but be on level five academically. Like, come on, Byron, let's get your your stuff together and let's be a man. Let's take care of business. I I bet your folks were glad to hear that. Yeah. I mean, they never, (laughs) they were, were, you know, I don't think they really saw it, you know, in depth. It's really personal because, now, when you go to your dorm room, no one's telling you to read the assignment to get prepared for the exam. No one's telling you to do your homework. It's, just, yeah. it's really, it's you and you. It's you and the man in the mirror. So um, that challenge was really fun. I learned a lot through that. I learned a lot about myself, my grit, determination, and toughness to, uh, you know, showing up to class every day, even though I didn't want to be there. Yeah. So I guess it was about maybe a month ago in one of the podcasts, I was talking about Sophie, which Byron knows, both my kids. And so uh, my youngest daughter, Sophie, she went to a Dallas Baptist here in Dallas and, you know, she didn't really want to be, she said, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not college material. <laughs> I'm not, you know, this, I didn't, I don't think I'm meant to go to school. And my, my comment to her was, you know, I'm, I want you to go to school for what you learn by going to school, not for what you're going to learn at school. Right? Like yeah. And, and, some, and some of the same things that you just said was, you know, you think about all the things that you learned at school and the classes that you went through, you remember some things. Right. You went to the, you probably remember some high points and some things from some of your classes. Yeah. But some of the things you did, we really learned were evidently that day when you made a decision, I've got to do something different. And so you started putting together some different habits and consciously said, there's some things I've got to do in order to be successful. And so you think about all the four years you had at UConn, those are probably some of the things you learned that were, they were going to carry you through life. Those are probably some of the best things you learned, which weren't in the classroom. There were conscious decisions you made in your dorm room or wherever it was that these are things I've got to do. These are things I've got to change. Exactly. And I tell kids all the time, it's like, man, be really good at doing things you don't want to do. 
even playing in a national football league, you know, I'm blessed to be healthy. I, I make good money. I'm having fun. I have a bunch of good friends, but this thing about the NFL, I do not want to do. I don't want to sit in five hours of meetings every day, but I do yeah. it because that's what's required. I don't want to wake up at 6 a.m. to work out at, at 6.30, but, you know, that's what's required to be successful on a Sunday. Right. So uh, I think it's important for people to learn to, to be good at things you may not necessarily want to do, but for an end goal. It's absolutely necessary for you to actually get there. Right. That's a really good jumping off point to talk about, you know, one of the things I had, I had written down here to talk to you about, you know, you and I have had these conversations, the dichotomy between being an individual, me a part of a team, right? It carries over from what you do for a living versus what most people that are listening to this podcast do for a living. We're all individuals working inside of a team. And that can be difficult sometimes because we don't always see our performance because it's mixed in and blended in with the other team. But yet, you know, we're judged on our performance. So talk a little bit about, you know, you and I've had that conversation about, you know, your performance in a game versus the team's performance and how, you know, how those tie together. And then also kind of sometimes how those are keep separate. Yeah. In other words, from a mindset standpoint, how do you have to think about you being an individual and performing as an individual versus you being part of a team and that team performing? And that's the cool thing about football is is football is truly a team game. And, and your average fan doesn't really get to see how impactful the left guard is to the success of a run to the right side because that left guard cut off the nose tackle. The average fan doesn't see that, you know, my success is dictated on the left defensive end putting pressure on the quarterback, causing him to shuffle his feet and throw an errant pass. So that's the cool thing about football. It always reminds you the value of having a really good team. But uh, I think before that is, is having and just understanding you have an individual responsibility to do your job. I think Bill Belichick made that, that, that line most popular, do your job. And especially as a young player, you kind of want to do so much as a young player, as a safety, so as a safety, you know, my job is to kind of you know take care of anything that leaks on the back end. But if you try to do too much, you try to blitz and you, and you try to cover and you try to tackle, like you're not going to be good for the team. You're not going to be good for yourself. So I think it's very valuable in understanding like you have a job to do, do it at your best ability and it will fit together with the team and understanding that you doing your job at the, your best ability will have success for the team. And also oftentimes team success breeds individual success too. You know, some of my best years playing football or when I'm on a really good defense where the DNs are firing off the line of scrimmage and the linebackers are getting good pressure on the quarterback and we're stopping the run game where it's no longer your third and four. It's third and 14. Now I have a chance to actually make a play on the ball. So I always say team success breeds individual success. Yeah, that's good. So talk a little bit about either before a game or, or prepping for the game. What are some of the mindsets? What are some of the things that you set yourself your mind to? What do you think about? What are some conscious things that you decide in your mind before a practice, before a game? Well, like right now, you're getting ready for the season, right? Yep. You're you're preparing not just your body, but you're preparing your mind because it's it's a different. You know, I've talked about this. It's very different, right? Once you start, talk a little bit about that and how that might relate to someone who's listening to this podcast. What are some things that you do from a mindset standpoint that other people that are listening could hear and take back with them? Yeah, that's one thing I, I appreciate about the game a lot. It's a process and the preparation that's involved before Sunday actually starts. So. Uh, I'll kind of break down our, our typical week. On a Wednesday, it's mostly run and play action pass focus. On a Thursday, it's your third down and your, you know, your deep pass section. 
And on a Friday, it's your red zone runs and red zone passes. Saturday, you do a walkthrough, you do meetings, and then Sunday, you go play. So on a Wednesday, I want to see what type of runs they do in, in certain parts of the field. So is this, number one, I want to see what type of back do they have. Do they have a strong bowling ball back? Do they have a long strider? Do they have big old Derrick Henry? Do they have a, a really good running back like Ezekiel Elliott? So understanding who the back is is one component of it. And adding to that is what type of passes do they like to do off the run game? So that's what we would call play action pass. So understanding where exactly on the field they want to do play action passes and, and what situation they like to do that. So um, every day I have a daily, I have like a daily intention. I said, okay, today I'm going to work on my feet and my hand placement. Uh, today I'm going to work on my tackling and body positioning, or today I'm going to work on my body positioning in the route. Um, so I kind of break it down day by day. So on a Wednesday, it's more about tackling uh, feet, you know, body position on the tackle on a Thursday. It's about my technique. So my hands at the line of scrimmage being a press man corner, uh, my body position in the middle of the route and my finishing at the end of the route and, and red zone is, is a tight space. So you have to react very quickly. You have to understand exactly what you're seeing and how the offense is going to attack you. So for me on a Friday, I'm studying as much film as possible to understand how is this offense going to attack me as a cornerback? You know, are they doing picks and rubs? Do they have stacks? Um, so learning as much as I can mentally so I can react even faster on the field uh, on a Friday. So I kind of break it down day by day, depending on what I, I'm going to experience in practice. So w one of the things that, that I've learned to talking to you is, is the amount of preparation that you go through. Everybody knows that you prepare as an athlete, but the amount of preparation just blew my mind. So the, one, of the, one of my favorite stories was I was driving by, this is back when you were living uh, here in Dallas. And I, was, I think I was driving by Woodall Rogers and I looked up and I see this guy up on his balcony and I knew that was about where your balcony was. So I remember that I texted you and I'm like, yeah. Hey, are you out there? And you're like, what are you doing, man? And I said, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm out here watching film. And you were on your ba balcony on an iPad and you're watching film over and over again. And I'm like, gosh, man, you're, you're off today. And he's like, yeah, but I'm, I'm preparing. <laughs> and so the, you know, they talk about your preparation and, and you talked about how you prepare your body and your mind and things for the game based on who your competition is going to be coming up on Saturday, Sunday or Thursday, whatever. But talk a little bit about some of the preparation you do mentally to prepare for who you're going to play on on that weekend. Yeah. And, and truthfully, um, I think a lot of the foundational mental stuff kind of starts in all season is like, you know, there are times when you're on the field and you are absolutely exhausted. You have to kind of put yourself in that situation in the off season to kind of callous your mind and, and harden and toughen your soul because there's going to be times on the field where it's critical. It's going to be two minutes right before the half or two minutes at the end of the game where you need to make a big play or you need to stop a big play from happening. And you are absolutely exhausted. Your legs are tired. Your back is tight. Your knee hurts. But what type of person are you when those tough moments come up now? What I understand is you have to train for that in the off season. So that, that type of toughness that it starts six months before we even take, put a helmet on our head and shoulder pads on our shoulders. Um, now going into a game, uh, a lot of the mental preparation is a tons of notes. So, you know, I like to actually write down exactly what routes I'm going to see and what situations I'm going to see them. I also watch probably an hour to two hours of film on my own, along with the five hours of meetings we have on a daily basis. And really just, you know, sometimes I do meditation just to quiet my mind and understand the importance of just reacting in the moment and not thinking about what happened before and not trying to predict what's going to happen in the future. Uh, you know, I think truly a lot of your mental toughness starts before the season even gets going. Um, so you have to really rely on that, and, you know, bringing yourself to that level of exhaustion, uh, physical fatigue, mental fatigue, 
and keep pushing past those barriers throughout the season. So is that you actually do that in the offseason? So Brian, tell me a little bit about some of the things in the offseason that you do to prepare your mind for, you know, during those games when it's, you know, two minutes left and you're tired and you're hurting and, you know, you're winded, all those things. So tell me some of the things you go through to prepare your mind and not just your body, because everybody knows you probably do that, but tell us how you prepare your mind. Yeah. So we, it's funny. So just on Monday, we have something called metabolic. So essentially what it is, is this, it's 10 movements continuous. There's no break in between. So for example, as a DB, I'll backpedal 10 yards and break at a 45 degree angle. I'll jog back to the original starting point and do like a 30 yard sprint, jog back to the starting part, maybe a, a starting point, a 10 yard sprint, jog back to the starting point, do a, a bail. So I'm running sideways for 20 yards and breaking, you know, doing a 90 degree turn, jog back to stuff. So we do that 10 reps, we do sets of about four to five. And um, by set two, you're exhausted. Like your legs are already heavy because there's no time for the lack of access to actually process and, and you know, get your full juice back. So it's what you're thinking in those moments. It's how you're thinking in those moments. Are you saying, okay, man, I can't wait to be done. Or it's like, okay, let's keep going. Let's keep pushing. Like, what are you telling yourself in those moments? So um, you know, luckily you, you don't typically, you don't feel that bad on game day, but it's good to just push yourself above that limit you, that you'll feel on game day, just to see how you respond. See if your, your legs will cave in, see if your footwork is still strong, see if you're actually digging, you know, the, the 30 yards and, and not jogging those 30 yard sprints. Um, I was with a group of guys recently, um, we're doing it cause I typically do it by myself. I run in my, I run at my, a different pace than most people, not to brag or anything like that, but <laughs> I had some guys with me. I had a guy, he tapped out, he threw up. Um, but the other two guys, young guys, they actually stuck it with me. And you can tell, like, you know, we had originally three on, on the docket, but we did four and they were so happy. I pushed into four because, you know, once you're there at that moment, you might as well just go that extra 10%. You know, your body's always going to say, Hey, I'm done. I'm completely peaked, but no, you have much more after that. It's right. just very uncomfortable to continue to push. You'll right. be surprised at what the human body can take. It's just, we, as humans, we are kind of wired to stop at a certain point. And uh, that's just natural. That's like, you know preservation is protection almost. And we've talked about this too, is, you know, it, it's you typically the limiting factor is not your body, but it's your brain, right? Absolutely. It's your mind. It's when you start to feel that pain, you start to feel like I, I'm done. I can't go with that one rep or I can't do that one extra, whatever it is, is your brain, your brain saying stop, but there's something, there's something in the back of your head that has to tell you, don't listen to that guy. Yeah. It's listen to me. Absolutely. Right. Like it. And, and so we talk about that a lot in not just business, but life, right? There's times when things are really difficult. Byron's good friends with Nate that I had on the podcast. And, you know, Nate talk, talks a lot about, you know, in his business, there came to a point where, you know, they didn't know they could keep going. And like labor literally is really struggling and had to make a, a decision and to either pivot and try something different or just decide I'm done. And a lot of people that are listening to this podcast right now have been in that exact spot. And there's something that you've got to have. There's, you've got to work on that mental toughness that says, when things are tough, when I want to quit, what comes to the forefront? What stops that and brings something else to mind? And, and we talk about a lot about the physical activity on this podcast. And we talk about working out. We talk about taking care of yourself physically. And some of the things that you have to do physically are what teaches you mentally exactly how to move forward. So it's it's funny. We get the things we learn in the gym, the things we learn, you know, on the field, the things we learn physically. Those are the things that kick in when we're mentally challenged to the point where we have to make a decision: do we keep going or do we stop and quit? And so the good thing about you is you're you're learning those things early in life. 
a lot of us don't learn those things till later in life, right? And there, it's a lot more difficult to learn those things when I don't have to. You know the season's coming up, and if you don't do this now, you're going to be in trouble, right? Not from the organization, but yourself, right? You're not going to be able to perform at the level that you want to perform at if you don't do these things. So, which is a question I had, who made you go do that last Monday, right? Yeah, so right now, most guys have the opportunity to train wherever you want. So if you want to go back home, if you're from Texas, California, you can go back home and train there. I like to train in Miami because I think Miami is one of the better training conditions. It is absolutely hot and humid down here. And this is the environment I want to be best in because this is where our home games are and it's where my camp is going to be. Um, so I work with the facility. I work with our actual strength trainer and um, our conditioning trainer, and they take care of us on, on that front. So it's been very convenient for me because I'm working with guys I know, I trust. They understand exactly what I'm going through and what I will go through during camp. So we're kind of preparing for that. So that's a real benefit. Nice. So let us let me jump subjects a little bit on you and talk a little bit about when you and I met, you were about, what, three years in the league, give or take? That's about right, right yeah. And when we met, you had already gone out and made a couple of investments, right? You had invested in, I think, one or two companies, and I think – even when we went on our trip to the West Coast, I think you had invested in another project. So you can spell out those projects or, or the companies if you want. You don't have to if you don't want to. But tell us a little bit about your decision to invest in those businesses and why, and then what you've learned by doing that. Yeah, so I started my personal finance understanding journey in, I'd say, uh, my first year before I, I got drafted to the Dallas Cowboys. And you know, obviously, you hear stories about athletes going broke and losing their money and uh, you know, the financial advisors taking taking advantage of people. So I said, that's not going to be me. So I read a bunch of personal finance books, uh, shout out to YouTube because YouTube has an incredible amount of resource in terms of personal finance. Investopedia was my best friend, but I remember at 23 looking up the difference between a stock and a bond and like not understanding that I had no clue. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like again, like most kids aren't taught this at the dinner table and we're damn sure not taught this in school. So I kind of had to expedite that process because I was going to sign a big contract and I didn't want to go broke just mismanage my money. So I've always been interested, you know, once I started learning about stocks and bonds and mutual funds, ETFs, my thirst and curiosity for uh, understanding more financial instruments have kind of, kind of grown throughout the year. And, you know, I met, you know, some really dope people and do some really cool stuff. So in 2016, 2017, I met a, a guy who's selling shirts out of his apartment and I can see the passion and drive in his eyes and he's in New York city and things are expensive. And, uh, but he's still making way, you know, somehow I found his shirt company. I'm not sure how I even found it, but, really comfortable, simple shirts. I'm a simple guy. I'm not too fancy, uh, high quality, just comfortable material. His name is company's name is Jason Scott. So I made that investment in 2016. They're still kicking along. They had to deal with the MLB recently, the Yankees, the Dodgers and the Cubs. They make shirts at a private label, uh, sold out of their, their uh, club shops. So for me, uh, investing in, in private equity is about really the team. Like who is a team behind the idea and how passionate are you about that idea? To be truthful, the number component is that's probably my weakest understanding. I don't care for projections. Uh, I don't care what the return is going to be. I want to know who are you as a human being? You know, what type of team do you have behind it? And can you execute on that plan that you guys have? So um, a lot of my investments have been in companies where the team has had a long track record that, that have had a a really successful resume and the thing that i love most about investing is just learning about the whole thing you know once skin is in the game you're going to learn about the company you're going to learn about the industry you're going to take the time to read the investment memo from start to finish you're going to look up wall street journal articles about you know, the industry it, for me that's where learning for me kind of expands quicker than anything is when i actually have some skin in the game of course i do my due diligence before i actually invest but uh, i think those are my biggest components of investing is okay who is your team can you execute 
And uh, are you passionate about the company that you're in? Yeah. So one of the things I learned about Byron, uh, we were on a, a trip on the West Coast and going out and driving on some really cool roads. And and uh, so we got there and he had done all this research, like literally knew every day <laughs> where the best roads were. He'd looked at YouTube. He'd looked at all these articles and literally knew exactly where the, where the roads were. He knew how to get there and knew about how long they were and about how long it would take us throughout the day. And I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> This must have taken forever. And I remember your comment was, man, I love doing that. I love, yeah. I love the research. I love to plan. I love to do all those things. So, you know, I can imagine when you go to invest in a company, there's a lot of work goes into it, but it's a, it's work with passion, right? It's a, it's a labor of love in that you really get into it. And the more you learn, you're either probably turned on by that or you're turned off by the, what you, what you find out. One thing I know about you is you're a genuine guy and you like genuine people. And either you're going to find that, that that business is either a genuine business and their values and they live those, or they're just a shell and they just want to flip this thing in two years. And is that really what you want to be about, right? Talk a little bit about, I know that you've been really passionate, especially in the last, you have always, but especially in the last few years about giving back. Talk a little bit about some of the things you've been involved in and some of the things that you're super proud of that you were able to give back. And it's not necessarily just about money, right? Yeah. It's about making a difference. Um, I know you did when you were here in Dallas. I know you really, we were just talking about this last week about more of the projects you did there in, in Florida. And uh, it, was, it was fun to watch you, man. Your eyes, your eyes, you know, <laughs> glow a little bit. And I can tell that, that it's something that you're super proud of. So talk a little bit about that and what those are. And, and then tell us why, you know, tell us what the why behind that and what you've learned about being part of this. Yeah, so I think um, I think 2020 was rough for a lot of people for many different reasons. For me, it was, uh, you know, I'm so focused in football and so focused on, you know, my silo and my life that where I never really reached back to the community and say, okay, what can I do more for people who look like me who are less, uh, we don't have two parents, we don't have three successful brothers. Because um, I come from a community like that. Where you see these kids who go through situations and, um, and, and they're in environments where being successful is absolutely not easy. So what can I do to alleviate that stress? What can I do to make that uh, transition to you know, coming from an underserved community to being successful in society? How can I help that process? So, you know, I started working with the Miami Dolphins. We have a personal impact committee where it's about 10, five, 10 players. We came together and we decided, okay, what are the three most important things to us at this moment? It was voting at the time. It was education and economic empowerment. So we wanted to operate in those three silos. And uh, throughout 2020, I mean, we were taking meetings, you know, after games, before games, we're talking to superintendents, uh, we're talking to principals, we're talking to uh, senators, home builders, trying to figure out what is the best plan to help the Miami-Dade community. And we came up with some, some really cool things. So for the voting stuff, we created a really impactful PSA, just, you know, really bombing our social media pages with how to vote, you know, how to register, how, why is it important to vote locally, like how does it affect your life? And I think people are kind of detached from a national politics um, but we want to kind of put tension on local level. Like, what does it look like where you have a good politician or a bad one at the local level? Um, and in terms of the education component, um, we were able to raise $300,000 for uh, Wi-Fi hotspots for the kids who were doing at-home schooling. Uh, one thing that I, I don't even, we never probably consider is the fact that kids go home and they don't have Wi-Fi or they don't have strong Wi-Fi. So imagine trying to be a kid trying to learn the subject you probably don't really engage with and, and also have bad internet on top of that. 
like good luck being successful because uh, you know those are such formative years in your in your life where you need to really learn and hone in on, on your academics at that point. And in terms of the economic empowerment, we were able to create a program with FMU uh, and HBCU, historically black college in, in Florida, and we partnered with Lenar Foundations. Lenar, one of the biggest home builders in America. And essentially what they did was they provided their expertise and created a tro- trade program to teach high school dropouts, people returning from prison, and teach them the, the construction trade. So being an electrician, HVAC system, you know, doing the roof, all these construction trades, because that those, you know, hospitality and constructions are the two biggest industries in, in the Miami-Dade area. So we just had our first graduating class a month ago, and I was actually there to shake everyone's hand and uh, hand out the awards. But the coolest thing about that was just seeing the camaraderie that those those people had for each other and for the teachers and, and just seeing how how close they have gotten in the, in the three or four months that they were learning these new skill sets that's going to give them economic empowerment and a chance to you know provide from the, for themselves so for me that's where it, it's exciting i've been blessed incredibly blessed with two parents i grew up in a really stable community and in a stable environment but i realized most kids don't have that especially kids that look like me so I want to find ways to to help these kids to try to reach their full potential. If I can plant a seed in the kid's head to understand like, hey, you don't have to be an athlete to be successful. You can do real estate. You can be an engineer. You can create software. Just plant that seed to encourage him to, oh, okay, let me look that up. Let me see what that looks like. Or let me see what this looks like. So I'm doing stuff in Miami Day area. And also I did some stuff in Dallas with Cafe Momentum. Cafe Momentum takes uh, kids in a juvenile system where uh, these are violent offenders. They're talking about robbery and, and fighting and whatnot. But they teach them every skill set that's involved with running a restaurant from uh, food prep to, to washing the dishes, to being a waitress or a waiter, to being a cook. And that program has had incredible success in the Dallas uh, area. And, you know, they're, they're expanding out to Nashville. They're expanding out to, to Pittsburgh. And, and I'm trying to help to facilitate connections through there. So um, seeing programs like that, where you're taking these underserved kids who kind of forgotten, uh, kind of left to the wayside where people will look at them and say, you're just not a hard worker or, or you're just not smart. You're a bad kid. And, and finding ways to give them opportunities to be successful, finding and put them in, in spaces where they probably didn't think they enjoy, but they end up really liking it. I talked to the kids at Capital Momentum and they absolutely had a great time through, through the entire process and they love it. And they're in debt to that uh, Chad, Chad's a guy who runs it. So, you know, stuff like that, that's what excites me more than anything. I can vouch on the on the cafe momentum. That's literally probably two blocks from where I'm sitting right now, downtown Dallas. And it's one of the most highly rated restaurants in all of <laughs> Dallas. And I got to tell you, the this service is, is unbelievable. The food's just incredible. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, these kids are not just learning things, but they're seeing success. And I believe when we were talking to them and Chad was up talking about uh, cafe momentum at one of the one of the events we had there is he's saying every kid that makes it through the program is guaranteed a job like i think there's a there's a, a hotel or two hotels and a restaurant said we'll take every single person that comes out of the program like not no questions asked we'll take them and and that's the thing is it's hard to good, find good people in hospitality that understand the business and you know these kids come out understanding because it's a tough it's a tough business yeah, man. It's no a tough gig and long hours but you know for kids that have been in trouble you know, spending a lot of time at work is not a bad thing. Yeah. And, and learning that discipline um, of, you know, 10, 12 hour days sometimes, not a bad thing. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great, great program. So I'm glad, I'm glad you got involved in that. Cause I didn't, I didn't realize you were involved in that till we were talking last week, but yeah. that's a really, really cool program. So a couple more questions for you that I, I think are super important to our, to our listeners. And the, probably the most important one that we love to ask is, 
you're in your late 20s now. If you could go back and visit Byron Jones at 18, 19 years old, and you were just like probably just getting out of getting out of high school, about to start college, uh, or maybe a freshman, what would you go tell yourself? What do you know now? What have you learned in life that you would tell yourself then if you could go back and whisper in your ear and say, man, let me tell you this. What would you say? I definitely say read more. Um, I didn't really start my reading journey until I think 23, 24, when I started reading my personal finance. That was my first year in the league. But definitely read more because reading gives you a chance to learn from some of the most successful people in different industries in the world. And you can access their mind, their thought process, their success, their failures through reading and just, you know, uh, taking the time. It's, it's not fun. I'm not going to sit here and say reading is fun. I, I've, ha- I've read books where I really enjoyed it and, you know, go back to it and read it every now and again. But uh, it, something about just sitting down and being still and reading something and digesting the information that you're reading is it, so powerful and so uh, influential for me. And also some of the, even like the, uh, the fiction books I've read where, you know, where it kind of puts you in an environment where you never, I, I read a book, it's called Gentleman, the Gentleman in Moscow, which really cool book. I loved it. It was long, but it was interesting to kind of read a fantasy story about a gentleman who was locked in a hotel, but he found the best of it. And he lived an incredible life uh, because he changed his mindset you know, being in that hotel. But just, you know, putting your mind in different spaces and just working out your brain and continue to feed yourself just new information. I, I think reading number one, for sure. Number two, I would probably say networking, you know, being more friendly. At the time, I was kind of closed off. I was a little shy. I was shy, a young boy, shy, not very confident. But I wish I would have made more stronger connections outside the athletic arena, especially in college. Um, I was very focused just on football at the time and academics. I didn't really talk to the engineering kids. I didn't talk to the finance kids. I didn't talk to the business kids. But you know, a lot of my investing success today has been attributed because I've met some really cool people that still gives me access to investment opportunities that I would never have. So just, you know, talking to people, asking questions and and making those connections where you're friends with that person, but you can also learn a lot from that person as well. So those two things I would definitely tell myself as an 18 year old boy. Awesome. How would our readers learn some more about some of the things, some of the programs that you've either invested in or things that you've put your your name behind or your blood, sweat, tears behind some things that you're really passionate about. How would, how would someone that's listening to this podcast right now, where would they go to learn more about that? Well, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Cafe Momentum and what they're doing. So I'm going to shout out them. So cafemomentum.org is where you'll find more information. Uh, type in Cafe Momentum on YouTube. You'll see some uh, incredible videos, some personal accounts of kids who've gone through the program, you know, where they came from and where they, they ultimately end up after the program. So uh, I think it's important to see the actual effect of a program like that. And it means it means a lot more. I can tell you it in person or I can tell you it over a podcast, but seeing these kids and, and them sharing their stories is, is incredibly impactful. So uh, shout out to Cat and Momentum. I'm going to do some more work with that group and um, hopefully they continue to grow and expand. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I hope maybe we can get those guys to expand down in Miami. I'd love to come down there and uh, oh, yeah. eat, some, eat some dinner with you down there. It'd be fun. Hey, I've got to tell the listeners, you know, one of the things that I've learned about you over the last several years getting to know you is, you know, you're the same guy that people see, that they hear, you know, on the field, off the field. You're one of the most genuine guys I've ever met. And I got to tell you that because one of the things that I want people to understand on this podcast is, you know, we talk a lot about success. We talk about things that we've learned. We talk about our mindsets. We talk about disciplines. We talk about a lot of different things. But one of the things we talked a lot about lately is really trying to find out who you are right, as a person. And that is, 
we can't be successful individually until we find out who we are. And until we understand who we are, we can't be our best self. And, you know, that's one thing that I really appreciate about you is, is you know who you are and you don't try to be somebody that you're not. And that's one of the things that I really enjoy about our friendship. But also one thing to understand the people that are listening is that, you know, just because you've been really successful and, you know, throw it out there, whatever, in athletics and business and finance, and you're a great chef, whatever, no matter what it is, you truly never get to the top of your game until you understand what your strengths and your weaknesses are. And you learn to expand and use your strengths to its fullest and try to minimize your weaknesses or work on your weaknesses so that your strengths overcome those, right? And so I've seen you do that. I've seen you work through injuries. I've seen you work through tough years, good years, but man, I've learned a ton from you. Appreciate that. I've learned a lot from our conversations, respect you. So listeners, if you uh, look him up, hey, follow him. He's a great guy. (laughs) And uh, man, I look forward to what you're gonna do even 10 years from now. I know that you're going to be successful, whatever you do. And I look forward to what comes after your athletic prowess of what you're in the middle of now. I appreciate that. So congrats to your success and to future success. So for all those that are they're listening, hey, we're glad that you are tuning in to our podcast. Continue to do that. Hey, we'd love to hear comments from you. So if you can go on our page and tell us things that you liked, things that you didn't like, give us a thumbs up, give us a review. We'd love to hear about what you're doing and hear about some of the things that you're thinking about and some of the mindsets that you have. So once again, Byron, thanks for being with us and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you, man. Take care.